0: Praise the Lord from Pastor Strader at Lighthouse Church. Thanks for connecting with us through our podcast. Our prayer is that it's a blessing to you as we try to reach, equip, and mobilize Jesus named disciples in Apache Junction, Arizona and the surrounding region. Enjoy today's podcast and come back often. God bless you. We love you. Hallelujah. I want to be on that train, don't you? Praise God. And uh, I like trains, so that works out good. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, and we'll quickly move to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, as we stand for the reading of the Word of God. Won't keep you standing very long. God. Amen. 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 Somebody say hallelujah. Man, I feel good tonight and uh, I don't know how this is going to come across, but uh, I've been feeling this for probably about four to five months. It's been brewing in my spirit. I've been brewing very much in my notes, but it's been brewing in my spirit and, uh, This really is, uh, I was listening to Brother Campitella, he was preaching to his church, and there are just a few, don't laugh, there are a few series that that he teaches. (laughs) Uh, And I don't think this is one of them, but there are a few key messages that he preaches to his church every year uh, that, uh, as he feels led to do. And uh, this, is, this is kind of inspired by, by some of that. And so um, it's titled, How to Have Great Church. How to Have Great Church. I want to have great church. Amen. Praise God. Hebrews 10 and 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Man, so much in that. We could just take it and put a period and preach it. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I don't know about you, but I've gotten comments from people before. You all go to a whole lot of church. I get that comment all the time at work what'd you do this weekend well we had a service on friday night we went to here on tucson we drove back and saturday we did this at the church and sunday we had sunday morning and sunday night what are you planning on doing next week well we're going to monday night prayer and and then we have sometimes most time we got a break on tuesday then we have wednesday night bible study and then typically friday nights and saturdays are filled with something church related uh, man, you, all, you go to church an awfully lot. We're just getting ready for heaven. Just getting ready for heaven. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. 1 Corinthians 14 and 37. I should have told you that so you can put your thumb on it, but you can look up here real quick because I want you to read it. I want you to see it. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, or prophecy, excuse me, and forbid not to speak with tongues. Somebody say, forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Amen. I, again, I don't know what this will be, preaching, teaching, preaching, but I feel the Holy Ghost in this, and uh, I just want us to to preach with me tonight, if you would. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. Uh, just to establish, as I typically do, a couple basic principles. That I feel that we need to just kind of level set. Uh, first of all, the title of this of this tonight, whether it be series or not, it likely will be. Uh, I'll pick it up at some point, but uh, I'm not suggesting that we don't have great church. I'm not suggesting that we don't have a great church. In fact. The only way you could preach or teach something that I'm about to talk about is if it's a great church that would receive what I'm about to talk about. In fact, I was I was very, I don't know what I expected. I don't know what I was thinking. But uh, I, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we talked on giving. Generous, generous, I can't say it now. Generously giving unto the kingdom of God. Thank you. Uh, and I was so thrilled by... Just the spirit that I felt in the sanctuary as that was being uh, spoken. I, I I did not feel uh, tension, and I'm going to tell you when you began to talk on that t- on that matter specifically. I don't know why, but man, people get tensed. But I I really didn't feel that, and I'm thank I thank God for that. And so what I'm going to talk about tonight, I, I I feel the same way, especially this because really nothing that I'm going to talk about is. Um, nothing we shouldn't agree with we that we should not agree with we should agree with every single thing i'm about to talk about because in so many ways we do what i'm about to talk about but i think it's important that we realize the essential need to have great church first and foremost if we have any question And if if COVID taught us anything or reminded us of anything, it is the essentiality of the church. The church of the living God is essential to the kingdom of the Lord. And I, I believe that if God was trying to tell anything to the church of the living God in North America, it was that we needed to wake up. And that we needed to kind of wake up out of our sleep and our slumber. And that we need to kind of get out of our comfort zone. You see, these four walls can become very comfortable to our spirit. And that's just not the will of God. I'm not saying we shouldn't feel comfortable here when we're here. Because surely we should, this is where we come together with church family. But uh, we should not become comfortable to the point where this is where it starts and where it ends. Friend, it, it, it may be where it starts, but it definitely shouldn't be where it ends. The church is so essential. The church is not confined to just four walls. It's not confined to just a, a, a several thousand, if you will, addresses of buildings. But the church of the living God is you and me. It's filled with blood. It's filled with DNA. It's filled with relationships. It's filled with kingdom business. It's filled with, with things that are absolutely essential to the kingdom of God. Matthew 18 and 20 said, for where two or three are gathered together. I do believe there is premise. There is definitely much merit in the word of God for what we're doing tonight, gathering together as a, an assembly, as a church body and worshiping God. Not only do I believe that that is essential, uh, to the kingdom of God at, uh, at, at to, a, to a, to a degree and to a level, but, uh, And I I put that caveat because I'm going to take a quick rabbit trail. My wife, keep me honest with where I'm headed. But uh, I I do believe we can get somewhat caught up in just the, the building church definition. I said we can become very comfortable with what we deem as church. All right, so uh, uh, know that I'm not just talking about gathering together here in this building, but anytime where two or three are gathered together in a home or two or three are gathered together in uh, the street corner or, or, or some public area where two or three are gathered together, the idea of bring, bringing the body of Christ together is not only essential and found in Scripture, but the idea is that of when we come together, we come to worship is also found. In the word of God, uh, I, it's it's just clearly not the will of God that we gather together and be bumps on a log. We don't come together to be entertained. Uh, I, and I know we are we are definitely not this, but we will never become this. We are not a production facility. We are not a theater we, we are not putting on a production. While we may try our best to put our best foot forward and in, in, in maybe technology or in various elements of, of pulling, pulling a service together uh, and methods may shift and change, but the, the message never changes. What I'm saying is the, the, the pulpit, the, 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 the material of this pulpit, the, the color of the walls may shift or change or the carpet may be shifted or the pews or the seats that you sit on may, may change. The methods may change a bit, but the message should never shift because it's essential. And so where two or three are gathered together, meaning we, we've got, we are together in the same room, in the same vicinity with each other, in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So it's a very essential that we gather together. And in our opening scripture, it said very clearly that not forsaking the assembly of ourselves, the assembly of ourselves, meaning he is putting a premium on getting together, often now I got to be careful where I go here but uh, we need to be very careful that we don't uh, get caught up on tradition and overlook what the word is saying Mm, I gotta be very what I'm saying is is that we have cultivated a culture in this church and what we're going to do here but I I'm not saying that what some other church is doing, they're having revival, they preach truth, they baptize in Jesus' name, they're seeing souls filled, they have holiness, they have separation unto God. I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong, but this is how we're going to do it. Does that make sense? This is how I feel we need to do it here. And that means we have Sunday morning and Sunday nights. That means we have midweek Bible study. That means we have Monday night prayer meetings. And that means here very soon, very soon, we're gonna have a discipleship class that we're gonna launch, which is gonna be a whole nother night of service or or gathering together. And 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 church, that's not where it ought to stop. stop. But uh, we've got big plans and we just need to get some some wheels on the, the, the plans uh, to to get this thing exposed to outside of the walls. The question really begs. We talked about the sound equipment. What are we going to do with the sound equipment that we have? And the idea did go through my mind of, well, maybe we should sell our equipment to to pay back the the money that we raised. And I, I just kind of felt God kind of just he, he, he smoked me and he said, why would you do that? Because that sound equipment that you have is going to be used for dollar work. That, that sound equipment that you have is going to be used for street work. That, that sound equipment that you have is essential for what the plans are. So as God begins to uh, give us different things here and in this building or in another building or whatever God designs for us to do, uh, we're just going to take that equipment and use it in a different way. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. And so it's essential. We, uh, this is how we have defined what we're doing in our schedule. But just because we don't, someone else doesn't do it exactly the way we do it doesn't mean they're going to hell. We need to be very careful how we approach that conversation because it says the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So what I'm saying is, is that really and truly uh, we need to be gathering together more. Amen. And that, and I don't believe it doesn't say to have... Uh, th- two uh, pre-service prayer, two songs, uh, uh, preaching, and, and then an altar call and go home. It doesn't say that there. No, no, we've put some, we've put some uh, uh, of our, uh, how we kind of interpret that scripture, how we're going to apply it to our culture and to our world. But I don't want to become so stuck in a rut that I, I misdefine assembling together. Assembling ourselves together can mean a lot of other different things. We really should be assembling ourselves together more on the street. We're still the church out there as we are here tonight. And again, I'm not, I'm not getting on to us. I'm not trying to, trying to discredit anything that we're doing, but I'm, I'm just telling you the essentiality of the church is far beyond what we have here. But I do believe that what we do here and what happens here is of the utmost importance. All right. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get us there where I'm going tonight and where I want to go with this topic, but uh, I, I just want to kind of cover all the bases because I'm not just trying to put us in some square box or rectangular box, but I am telling you that what happens in this rectangular box or wherever we do it matters and how it happens matters and what we do matters and what we don't do matters. Acts 20 and 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. What we do here in this church is so vitally important. It literally has souls in the balance. I mean, souls are in the balance. Whether we knew it or not, there were five guests here this morning that at least some of them, their soul was in the balance. Perhaps it was the first time ever hearing the message that they heard today, the way they heard it. Perhaps it was the first time uh, experiencing worship the way they, they experienced. I don't know. I'm just saying there's a high likelihood that, that some could come visit our church. Two weeks ago, we had 20 visitors on a Sunday morning. Now, uh. Some would say, and I, you know, we had one and I'm just going to be, I'm, I'm preaching to the church tonight. Is that okay? We had, we had one that around about the second or third song, they got up and left. Now, uh, a little while ago that maybe would have offended me or made me a little upset or maybe kind of question things, but I didn't get upset and I definitely didn't question things because as they were walking out, the Holy ghost was being poured out. So it wasn't that what we were doing was wrong or, or the spirit was not right. Everything was on point, but it really should not offend us or make us upset when people come into an apostolic one God Pentecostal church, feel the presence and the power of God. And they say, Hey, this is a little, this is a bit different for me. Does that make sense? We shouldn't be offended or upset at that. Surely we don't want them to leave. That's not our objective. Of course that's not our objective. But I'm thankful that they can come into this church and know, hey, this is different. I've I've never felt like that. I've never heard it preached like that. I've never... Hey, it doesn't hurt me or offend me when somebody says, well, I don't know if, uh, you know, you preach one God. You've preached on on baptism in Jesus' name. Hey, we love you. We care for you. We want you back. But in my head, I'm thinking we're going to preach it just as strong and just as passionately in love, but just as passionately as I've ever preached it. And you know what? There's going to be some seed that's going to go. that's going to be planted in there. It's not going to spring forth. Unfortunately. But that doesn't mean we don't preach the word, but he purchased it with his own blood. So what we do here matters. The church body, everybody say the church body, body. this lighthouse church body. Now I realize we're a part of a greater body of Christ, but at 624 South Tomahawk road, we are a part of the body of Christ. Amen. We're part of the body of Christ and he died for this church. He died for a lot of other people. He died for a lot of other people part of the church, but he died for this church. And so it's very important that we heed to what really great church is supposed to be because he died for it. This is why I I, I don't believe we can afford bad church services. We really cannot afford a bad service or an off service. I don't care if it's Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, a youth service we can a hyphen service we cannot afford a bad service or a uh, an off service where we kind of just want to yeah. kick up the recliner and chill now, not every service has got to be shouting around the aisles and hooping and hollering. And, and, and never, I haven't seen anybody hang from the fans just yet. But uh, I'm not saying that that defines great service because it surely does not. And it, just because we don't preach doesn't mean that uh, it's not a great service either. But what I'm saying is, is we cannot afford uh, uh, going through a service without feeling the presence and the power of God. We cannot afford having one service where there's not an altar call where people can be changed and transformed. We may be teaching about basic principles of the Bible. We may be talking about things that are maybe not very exciting, if you will, as, as some things are maybe more exciting than others. But, uh, you know, because talking about long suffering is not really all that exciting. But uh, what I'm saying is there should always be an, an atmosphere where demonstration can be poured out. Amen? Amen. Worship is essential. I'm going to move on quickly because I've only got a few more minutes through the first part of this. So this is officially now a series. (laughs) Praise God. Jehoshaphat appointed the singers and the worshipers, not behind the army, not in the middle of the army, but before the army. What does this mean? That means God prioritizes worship. He prioritizes prayer fasting, worship, in a church service. Those, I believe, are some of the most key elements, the recipe for a great church service, and for just a great church in general. Prayer, fasting, and worship. If we can get those three things, or those four things figured out, I believe everything else will kind of line up, because the Holy Ghost will help us get our attitudes right, The Holy Ghost will help us get everything else in line if we're fasting, if we're praying, and we're worshiping. Amen. 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 Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ has loved the church. And he did what? He gave himself for it. It's important. The Christian life was never meant to be solitary. All of the biblical metaphors for a church indicate a plurality. It's never being singular. We are a body meaning multiple people, a flock, meaning more than one sheep, a, a building, a, a holy nation. We are not to be lone wolves. Right. Wolves. I know brother Gissel's going to get on to me for saying wolves. Thank you, brother. Right. Sister Parker and brother Gissel, they they, they, they keep my... Sister, uh, sister Parker, she, she's a bit more respectful. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but... We are not lone rangers. We're not doing this by ourselves. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that's the will of God. I don't believe you find that in scripture either. I believe you should be part of a church body. I believe you need to be submitted to a pastor. I'm submitted to a pastor. I'm not only submitted to to a pastor, but I'm submitted submitted to leadership. I'm co-equally submitted unto you. Because... We're supposed to be servants to each other. Well, we got to move on, but it's true anyway. Having great church, I said all that to say, it took 20 minutes and 35 seconds to say that having great church is essential. And not only is it essential, but it is a privilege. It is an honor. And the best part of my week is coming in here on a Sunday morning. I got to tell you, there's something that happens in my spirit when I miss a service. I, I know sometimes we do it and, and you know, whatever, but I'm telling you, I feel it in my spirit when I miss. And I'm just got to tell you, I, I don't make a habit of missing very many church services myself. I make it a very intentional. Uh, I make it very intentional to make sure that when the church doors are open, I'm there, and not just church doors, but anything the church is doing. If I can physically be there, I want to be there, yeah. brother Adrian. It may be shooting and and wherever we went the other other day and and had a great time and uh, blowing up money and. Uh, burning it literally right in front of our eyes. And Anthony, he, where are you at? Man, he spent a lot of money on these big shotgun shells that blew up and made all kinds of flames and fires and sparkles. Man, it was like sparklers on steroids. And, uh, I, you know, I enjoy that. Not only do I enjoy that because it's something I personally enjoy, but it's not about that. It's about us being together and, and we're participating and we're being, helping each other and we're, we're, we're kind of helping each other grow in Christ. Well, I don't like that. Who cares if you like it or not? We're here to, to be brothers and sisters with each other. Well, that's that's not my hobby. I don't, I don't, I don't care for that. I don't care if you care for it or not. I don't like to golf, but hey, if the brother want to go golf, I'm going to make a, probably a fool of myself, Brother Ginsel, and we'll have a lot of gentlemen elevens, but hey, we're there to fellowship with each other. Why? We're the body of Christ. Amen. We're the body of Christ. Amen. And it's more than just coming on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or even a Monday night, but we've got to gather ourselves together more, because we need each other. If we're going to say, "Hey, don't fellowship with the world, then my, we, we need family that we can fellowship with. We need to create an atmosphere where, hey, it's okay, you're going to come over to my house. We'll have dinner together. Hey, man, we've we got to have this. We gotta, we're a church family. we've got to have relationships. But having great church is essential. We're not here to play church. Our world doesn't need a sleepy church, an apathetic church. The world doesn't need a lazy church. It doesn't need a dead church. It doesn't need a politically correct church. Our world needs the church to be the church of the living God. I'm telling you, it's essential that we have great church. I I, I, I just got to be honest, I do, I, I, I wouldn't say I judge us, but I, I measure us. I measure myself. What did I put into that service? Did I give it all or did I hold back? Did I give everything I had in, my, in that message or did I leave some on the table because I got other plans? No, I'm telling you, when I, when I preach, when I worship, when I sing, whatever I do for the kingdom, I, I've got to give it everything. Amen. If I've got no voice left to talk to my clients on Monday morning, who cares? They got more money than they got to know what to do with anyhow. They'll live and they'll survive and they'll listen to my scratchy voice and everything else. I may not be able to talk and my wife would be happy about it. And, and, and <laughs> but hey, great church is essential. We simply, our world cannot afford a church that's apathetic. There's plenty of church buildings that they can go to where they got great programs, they got great events, they got great technology, they got great sounding equalized music way better than probably ours, sure. But I'm going to tell you what. You can compare us you can't compare us on any of those levels perhaps to a lot of people in our region, but I'll put us up against any church when it comes to the spirit of God. I'll put us against any church when it comes to worship. And but and I'm praying that one day, and I believe we've come a long way, but we've got some ways to go, that this church can be compared and say, hey, that's a praying church. That's a praying church that's open 24 hours a day, and they've got somebody praying in that building. You say, oh, that's, that's kind of extreme. That's radical. You're right. It is radical. But I long for the day where we've got a church building that has somebody in it. 24 7 24 hours a day 365 days a year and we've got prayers being radiated in that building every second of the day every second of the day you say that's impossible well one it's not impossible because there's other churches that have done it and now they're they're growing and doing daughter works and doing great and all these things but I've come to tell you that you may not be able to compare us you, uh, pastors you, I may not be able to speak as grand as somebody across the street but I've come to tell you uh, when you can compare our, the move and the power of God, I'll put us against any church in Apache Junction. Hey, and when somebody comes to this building, they're going to know that they've been to church. They're going to know that man. I kind of, I, I, I kind of, I've never been to a church where I sweat. I've never been to a church where I actually started tapping my toes. And man, I even wanted to raise my hands. And I got to got a kind of little, you know, well, I can't say what I was going to say, but I, I, I kind of got to dancing a little bit. Man, I'm going to tell you what, that's what we want. That's what, that's the best compliment. When somebody says, man, this is a bit different. I've never heard it this way. I've never, I've, I, I've got, you got to tell me more about this. I need a Bible study. That is the best compliment that this church can get. Because heaven forbid people come into this church from the denominational world and they're comfortable to the degree, not comfortable as in family and, and feeling comfortable with each other, but comfortable in oh yeah, I could live here and sit in my, with my religion and my, my theology and man, I can do it. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want just people to come and pay tithes just because they, they like this church and they like us. Man, I want them to go to heaven. Surely I want them to like us. Sure, I want their kids to like our kids. Sure, I want them to be part of this church. And, and sure, they can find the kingdom and all these things. But I'm going to tell you what, I want them to go to heaven more than anything in this world. And they need to hear the truth for that to happen. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. We need this in our church and we have this in our church, but I'm going to tell you what, I don't know if you you, you, you get there, I know, because sometimes we come into church service because we're weak or weary or mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. And we get this, it's very tempting to get this, you know what, I just want to get this service over with. Maybe you don't say that literally, but kind of your actions and, 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 and our participation say that. All right. I've been there. I'll I'd be a I'd be guy when I can go home and that head can hit the pillow. All right? But we've got to be careful that we don't allow that to come into our heart and come into our spirit because just as, as what I feel has been pretty quick and what I feel that God is doing in elevating this church, as quick as that happens, it can go the opposite direction just like that. Whenever we kind of get this in this mode, in this mentality that, oh, you know, uh, all it takes is a few people to get in that mode of, well, I'm so busy that I can't really worship like I want to worship. Friends, you're too busy. I said, friends, you're too busy. When we come here on a Sunday, and I know there's a lot of people here, you serve in the kingdom of God beautifully and with, with elegance and with, with, with honor, you do a great job and you give more than 100%. And that alone, if you didn't have a full-time job, can be exhausting, after a Sunday, but then you got to wake up Monday morning and give it all to work because that's what they're paying you for. So I realized that, but I also know that God will honor that sacrifice and he will give you supernatural. I pray that I pray that for every single one of you, God, I know our services can go a little bit long and man, they worship their heart out. They prayed their guts out. They, 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 they taught their guts out. They, 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 Whatever we have of it, man, we just spent a whole weekend or two weekends or three weekends just giving it all, giving it all, giving it all. And I pray, God, give them supernatural strength that they don't even understand. They don't even know where it's coming from, but they wake up on a Monday morning they feel refreshed. They feel rejuvenated. And they're looking at their watch thinking, man, I didn't get as much sleep as I normally get, but I feel good. Yes. <laughs> Amen. We got to have great church. If you want to have great church, we must pray. I said, if we want to have great church, we must pray. If we want to have great church, we must pray. I want to say it again. Everybody listening. If we're going to have great church, we must pray. There's four levels four realms of prayer for four areas of prayer that I, I want to talk about we'll only get to cover this this one part and then we'll we'll conclude tonight and yes I promise I will finish it because this is burning in my spirit but we must pray first is first a realm of prayer is personal prayer praying in private what you do alone let me tell you it's very vitally important your personal prayer life it is the backbone for all other spiritual endeavors Let me just establish this. It's very evident. It doesn't take much spiritual discernment to know when someone doesn't have a personal prayer life. It's very evident when someone does not have a spiritual or personal prayer life. I may not come to you and say, hey, you don't have a prayer life. But I'm telling you, it's not hard to see it that you don't. And I'm not, I'm not saying that. I, that's not in a judgmental type of statement, but it's, it's just, hey, know them by the fruits that they bear, and, and, and they're not bearing a fruit of prayer. How do you know this? Well, we've we got to talk about that another time, but there's a lot of things, but the, a big problem, what big element of knowing if someone has a prayer life is their attitude. A big component of someone's personal prayer life is their response in a church service. Because someone who prays privately is someone who prays publicly, worships publicly, is not ashamed publicly. And what God what you do in private, God will share publicly. Amen. You see, I don't have to make up or I don't have to put a facade on on anything that I do personally or what I preach. I don't I don't have, that's I'm not, I don't want to be fake because God will honor What's done in private, he'll honor in a, in a public realm in due time, in due time. So I don't have to fake anything as long as my prayer life is right. Private prayer life, it forms the foundation for anything that happens between you and God. It is the foundation of your ministry. Hello? It's the foundation of your ministry. If you have a ministry and you don't have a personal prayer life, you don't really have a ministry yet. Because how can you minister to others until you are ministering to yourself? It's only the blind leading the blind. We need a personal prayer life. Amen. I'm talking about having great church. If we want to have really, and, I, and again, I'm not saying we haven't had great church, man, I'm gonna tell you what, this past, this past three, four months, it's probably some of the best services I've ever had in my life. Truly, here, right here in this building. It's the best, some of the greatest church, greatest church I've ever been a part of. But we got to take it to another level. And hey, there's some people in here. You've got a private prayer life, but I'm encouraging them. Maybe you don't have a personal prayer life, or maybe you kind of let it go by the wayside. I'm telling you, get a personal prayer life—not just a prayer habit, but a prayer life. Pray until you're talking in tongues. Pray until you're shouting. Pray until now. Not every prayer meeting is going to be the same. Look the same. And I'm not saying it does, because every prayer meeting looks a little bit different. But I'm going to tell you what, we need to get a personal prayer life where we feel something in the spirit oh, yeah. begin to shift. And we need to kind of stay there a while. And we need to get to the habit where it's not just us talking to God, but allowing God to talk to us. I'm talking about a personal prayer life. If we can get this one right here figured out, I really think every, all the other three areas or realms of prayer will really figure itself out. In the spirit, God will will lead us and guide us. But I'm gonna tell you what, we need to pray until something happens privately. the second part is, second realm of prayer is public prayer. You should be able to pray in public the same way you pray in private. We should be able to pray, pray in public the same way we pray in this church building. We were talking about it the other night I think it on the border, and and this is something new for my, my wife or I, for my kids. It's it's new for me, so I, I'm still new at this, but it, it spoke to me, and it it challenged me. Get the question, why do you raise your hand when you're praying for your food at a restaurant? Well, there's a big story, big message, of you know, a lot of things to talk about, But but one of the elements of that is why do we lift our hands and lift our voice here in church to pray, but then we go to a restaurant to pray over our food, and we do it with our head down, don't raise your hands. Why do we do that? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe there's several reasons, but I, my wife and I, we made a decision, and our kids, they've, they've kind of followed us that when we pray, either, either be in our home or publicly, we lift our hands. I said, we lift our hands and, and some of others that were part of camp that year, you do it as well. And you have probably every time you've eaten since then, especially if you've eaten publicly. Not, not to be a show off, but to, to say, hey, if I can do it within these four walls, I'm still the church right. out there. I've got a public prayer life that I've got to maintain. We shouldn't pray one way in here and another way in public. Because what you're doing is you're operating off of hype and not the spirit of God. And it's not about hype. It's very easy to operate off hype because man, man, the atmosphere is just radiating in this place and people are, man, they're shouting and dancing and rejoicing. Well, I'm putting some asleep tonight. I'm talking about having great church. This is why when we pray publicly, we need to pray like we do right here in this church. When you pray at home, how you pray at home should be how you pray publicly. The third is corporate prayer. Oh boy, here we go. I said, here we go. Corporate prayer. I'm talking about having great church. A personal pre-church prep is called pre-service prayer. Just like any uh, athlete, they gather together. They don't just show up on game day and go to the field, but they show up early and they get their stretches in they get their huddled in, they figure out all the make go over all the plays that they're gonna go through, and they get aligned and they get the self ready, they they get their heart beat up. They don't just go out there cold, but they get a little bit of a warm-up. That's what pre-service prayer is. Right. What pre-service prayer is is hey, we're going out to get some 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 sticks and we're gonna put a put a fire together and we're gonna start igniting that fire, and hey. Let me just tell you what happens when you, if you got one person starting to fire, it's maybe a little fire, but you get two or three together and you begin to pray in pre-service prayer. Man, now somebody brought their sticks. Somebody brought their fire. Now we got two fires together. And then what happens when you get three or four or five? It's like warming up the car before a race. You just don't go on the, on the racetrack with the cold engine. Right, brother? All my racers in the, in the room. Look, all we used to race cars, you didn't just go out there cold, but you get that engine started and you rev it up and you get it warmed up so that when you hit that, that start line and they say, three, two, one, man, we're ready to, we're fired up, we're ready to go. We're not going to blow an engine because it's just, we're starting cold, but man, it's already warmed up and we're ready to, to race. That is exactly what pre service prayer is. And what we need to do is we need to try pre service forgiveness. Well, talking about having great church but if we're going to have great church we need to get over ourselves and all of our little petty things and our relationships with each other if we're going to have really great church because i'm going to tell you what it's very difficult to have great church when we're at odds with somebody sitting across or behind us or in front of us and that is not the will of god we need to get we need to get in the mode of hey if i'm if something's wrong or uh, i've got odds with somebody we need to have pre-service forgiveness a two second conversation can can solve an entire service and I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to say it again, there are souls on the line. I said there's souls on the line. Every opportunity we have, every service we we gather together is another opportunity for our children to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Even if there's not one new guest in our church, it's an opportunity for one of our babies to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Even if there's not one guest, it's an opportunity for somebody to be renewed in the spirit and the power of God. I've come to tell you is there's power in pre-service prayer. And if we will really grasp this, if we will begin to warm, in the, warm up the, the spirit realm, uh, we'll start re- really experiencing some things that's gonna blow our minds. Amen. We, need to exp- we need to practice that pre-service forgiveness. Let it go so we can have great church. Amen. Take off the garments of offense and put on the garments of praise. Take off the garments of of, of offense and put on the garments of worship. I'm telling you, we gotta do it all the time. Talking to the church tonight about having great church. If we're gonna have great church, we gotta be in one mind and one accord. We can't be in odds with each other. We can't be in disagreement with each each other. We can't can't be having negative thoughts about each other. Friend, I'm gonna tell you what, look around. These are the people you're going to heaven with. And if you have odds with them, then you're probably not going to heaven with them. So, how you think we're going to have a good, great church with being at odds with each other? But we got to have great church. We got to get a pre-service emotional checkup done. Right. You got to lay it at the cross. You got to let the Lord have it. I know you're upset. I know you're sad. I know it's a little frustrating. I know you're a little upset about maybe